When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, afternoon, evening. Welcome to a special edition of Portside Fracker. I am joined here by the lovely Janine. How are you doing, Janine? I'm good. I'm well. How are you? Actually, do you know what? I'm better than well because obviously today is the beginning of playoffs. So, you know, the Clippers are, have got their first game today. So, yeah, it's a good day. So, you're feeling good. You're feeling bullish, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Feeling, feeling ready, seeing what we're, we can bring to the court today. So, yeah, how are you? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Um, the thought with this was the fact that you're probably one of what maybe ten Clippers fans in the whole of the UK, um, and for a lot of people who listen to our pods, they don't support any team. Um, so this is kind of our opportunity to use your unique knowledge as a child yeah. for us to teach some people a bit about the Clippers. You're very interested in history, and um, yeah, why why they may want to join you on that Clippers bandwagon, start a little fan club up on our uh, Discord community. So it's a I great guess, bandwagon, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the first place I would start is to ask you, uh, A, how you got into basketball, and B, how you ended up a Clippers fan. Um, yeah, so I got into basketball around kind of nine, ten years ago. Like, I was just kind of watching it here and there. Um, my household, like, I've got two brothers and my dad. We always, we weren't traditional football watching people. So basketball was always shown in my house. So I kind of just watched it here and there. And then, um, yeah, I grew up more on obviously Kobe's era because I'm a 96 baby. So that was the time he was obviously playing in the league. And then, yeah, I kind of got into the Clippers watching. I first started watching um, Chris Paul when he was at the Hornets. You know, really liked him, and I think he's. I can't be mad. At, I can't be mad at that one. To be fair, you, yeah, you're already you know. showing me out the gate that you've got great taste. <laughs> uh, I think. Well, I think now I've already got an idea for another pod. We're going to do a Chris, a Chris Paul appreciation pod. He he needs it. He definitely needs it. You know what? He's he is the best uh, point guard in the league till this day. So yeah, from that, even just from watching him before I started supporting the Clippers, um, he's definitely something that like someone that got me into watching um basketball like kind of like for real and then uh, when he got um traded to the clippers um that's when i really i got sold into watching it and really got sold into the team then although we've had our kind of franchise ups and downs it's i mean you're not always going to support yeah we're gonna get into it don't you worry (laughs) yeah you never kind of start off always thinking you're going to be supporting an amazing team. But, yeah, we've definitely had a lot of ups and downs. But it's been great watching them ever since. And I've just kind of locked in from then on. Cool. So, obviously, he left, but you stayed. What made you stay and not go with Chris Paul? Because a lot of NBA fans and the way the league is kind of marketed, it's very superstar-driven. So, yeah. people will go with a player. Like, for example, Harold just follows LeBron James. LeBron. <laughs> So if LeBron James decides to go to the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, yeah, he wants to go to the Memphis Grizzlies because they end up drafting uh, Bronny in a few years. You'll see Harold instead of having the uh, AD and LeBron background, you know, he'll have to have Bronny and LeBron in Memphis. Yeah, shameless so what made guy. You, exactly. What made you stay with the Clippers? <laughs> um, do you know what? I think that's more kind of like in sport territory, especially growing up. Obviously, growing up in England as well. Like, if you're a football fan, you. I don't know people that just kind of switch teams just because they're fave left. It's mm. always just kind of like you stick by that team, not no matter whether they're going through the ups and downs. So it's more kind of that. It's not really because obviously I'm going to be like, oh, where's Chris Ball going this time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's nothing like that. I, I yeah. respect that. So you've, you've kind of taken the best of our side and obviously you, you've applied it to the, to the basketball yeah. over there. Um, we'll get into the uh, history of the Clippers a bit uh, later. But... Um, there are what I've written down here, kind of like key moments that basically transform the Clippers from being perennial underachievers to uh, one of the best teams in the NBA um, that we have now. 
So, yeah. I mean, you you mentioned it, and I think it's a, a good place as any to start, uh, signing Chris Paul. So that was in 2011. Uh, at the time, yeah. he was at the Hornets. Uh, I'm not sure if you remember, but I'm pretty sure it's very hard to forget. What originally happened is that he was traded to the Lakers. But yeah. At, the, yeah, at that time, the Lakers were owned by the league. And essentially, what ended up happening was that David Stern, the commissioner, who ended up essentially being the de facto owner of the Hornets, vetoed the trade. Um, if, just have a play in a bit of what if here. If he'd gone to the Lakers, you, you'd be a Lakers fan now, yeah? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah, I actually think so, yeah. Because yeah. in terms of, even kind of now, I always kind of just look at it like, oh, even the rivalry that we have with the Lakers, I'm always just thinking like, what if I did support the Lakers? Like, they, yeah. are, like, they are a good franchise. But yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. If he had gone to the Lakers, I would have stayed with the Lakers and supported them. Yeah, so. because when you think about it, he, he would have joined the agent Kobe, but it was kind of written in the cards that Dwight Howard, who was going to be a free agent that yeah. 2011 summer, was going to come to the Lakers as well. So that would have been a big free... Chris Paul, Kobe, and Dwight Howard. And thinking Dwight. back then, a, a Dwight Howard, Chris Paul pick and roll would have would have been a a thing to a thing to, yeah, and a, and a, and a two man game between Kobe and Chris Paul would have been beautiful to watch. I think we were we were robbed somewhat um, with that. Obviously, um, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, the second key moment, which actually happened before signing Chris Paul, was drafting Blake Griffin. Obviously, you weren't a Clippers fan at this point, but yeah. you got to watch him with Chris Paul, you got to watch Lob City. Um, tell us a bit about your experience of, of, of Blake Griffin as a, as a clipper and how you felt about him as a player. Yeah, I mean, I think he was, he started off as a great all-round player. Um, I think he, I didn't, I don't think he so much struggled with shooting, but it was just, it was an unbelievable, unbelievable dunker. I think he must have done one of the dunk contests at All Star. I think he might have won one. I'm not too sure. He did. He uh, did. It was, it was the yeah. one where he jumped over the Kia. Yeah, that's you know it. Does, yeah, you know he does yeah, the yeah. adverts with Kia. Yeah. Kia, exactly. He, he yeah. jumped over. He jumped over the, the the hood of the car. Yeah. Exactly. So he's always kind of had that kind of athleticism about him on the court, and yeah, he was just unbelievable. And I think drafting as a rookie, like they, the league is actually, I think, is quite well in kind of developing um, rookie players. And he was one of those kind of like people they already seen as a star already from kind of drafting him. Um, so yeah, I th I think when signing to the Clippers, although I don't think. I feel like he would have probably settled in maybe more at the Lakers. I don't know why. I've always kind of thought like, oh, maybe he would have fitted in with maybe like Kobe. He was a star. Time. He has, obviously he does yeah. like his comedy, his adverts were always yeah. different. They were quirky. So he definitely had that star power. I think what was great though is that he brought that star power to the Clippers. I think yeah. honestly signing him was the start of everything changing of for the Clippers. something new, yeah. Because, yeah, obviously we've, we've had that long history of just suffering in playoffs and even the regular season we went doing so tremendously um, for a number of years. And then, yeah, bringing in someone that's fresh and he was young as well and was just, yeah, completely just U-turned the whole franchise, made them into something now that you're looking at them, you're like, wow, okay, cool. Like, bro, bro. this is a exactly. team where you got to be now watching, keeping an eye on because, yeah, they're doing something. Exactly. And I mean, you look at it and he originally got injured, missed his whole first season. And yeah. I'm sure Clippers fans then would have been like, ooh, another one, because they have a very, very bad history in terms of injury. Yeah. But then he came back and he won Rookie of the Year. Um, for that season, I think his rookie season, he was 22 points, 12 and a half rebounds and three, uh, 3.8 assists. So you can see that so once he did, yeah, once he started... He burst yeah. into the league. Um, you're talking about a player who made four All-NBA teams, six All-Star teams, teams, and he finished third in the 2014 MVP uh, race, all in his eight years at the Clippers. How did you feel when he left? Because I remember it was quite, it was a few, it was a cascade of a few events, obviously, and we'll get, we'll get to this later on in this uh, episode. He and Chris Paul never did quite see eye to eye. So yeah. it was 2017. And it was time for contracts to be signed. And essentially, the, 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 the whispers around the league were like, Blake is not going to sign if Chris Paul is still here. And you guys ended up 
trading Chris Paul to the Houston Rockets, I'm sure that would have broken your heart somewhat. Yeah, you I, I think I, your eyes were a bit wet there. Um, so Chris Paul went to uh, the Houston Rockets. Um, Blake signed a five-year contract, and part of that five-year contract, the pitch that they had with him is they took him through Staples Center and spoke about how he was the, part of the fabric and the DNA of this uh, basketball club, and they wanted him to stay with the Clippers for life, only for them to get rid of him a, a, a little while later. Um, how did you feel when Blake left? Um, do you know what? I wasn't as disheartened as I thought I would be because I was more disheartened for when Chris Paul um, mm. left. Um, but with Blake, I felt like it was maybe time. Like he's, he's, That was the end of his run with the Clippers. Um, okay. He came in, did absolutely tremendously and you couldn't fault him for anything that he did with the Clippers because although obviously we didn't really win any championships and obviously we were seeding quite well for playoffs and everything but there's only so much that you can do it's, it's like a similar thing to like um how can I describe it kind of like I'm not saying he's an, an identical player or in the same status as like Ronaldo or something but when Ronaldo was at United and then when it was time for him to leave the Premier League he left how, like go. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's almost kind of yeah. It's almost kind of like that. But at the same time, um, he left the Clippers in very good kind of position for even if they were going to be signing other players, like they needed players of his caliber at his level. So they knew that they couldn't get rid of him and just bring in kind of like anyone because he's he's now built kind of he's building that legacy for the Clippers again. And then yeah, so. It's, I think, yeah, I wasn't really disheartened when, when he left. So it's more, I cried than poor Chris Paul. <laughs> oh, a, a, a ruthless woman, a bit a businesswoman from the looks and the, and the sounds of things. Um, and I guess uh, the, the next key moment was probably 2013, uh, the arrival of Doc Rivers. Uh, yeah. Doc Rivers came to you guys from the Celtics. He was then and still is now considered probably a top five coach in the NBA. He has yeah. pedigree. He, he's won a championship over Boston. Uh, lost a couple of finals as well. Um, how did you feel when Doc Rivers came in? I don't know how much you're into X and O's, but obviously you had Chris. Um, obviously, you know you didn't have Chris at that point. Obviously, you had Blake, and you were a team that were going in the right direction. Was yeah. the arrival of Doc for you like a statement, or was it kind of like it is what it is? Um, no, it was definitely a statement because. As far as our history goes, we've also had a number of coaches for that team. And clearly there was certain things that are not working with certain coaches. And the build, like the way Doc Rivers came in and just kind of started building that franchise again. I mean, it's all down to the players, but it's more down to the coach as well. And he's been doing such a great job since. I think, I just think he, he's suited to the Clippers. Um, He's coached, obviously, big franchises like the Celtics as well. So coming in with that kind of um, coaching versatility that he has, um, he knows exactly what he needs to be doing with the players. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I think it was a good moment for them to bring in um, someone like Doc. So, yeah, they're, they're doing quite well with him right now. Exactly. Um, let's talk about uh, the final key moment. Uh, this one I'm sure you won't even need to guess. Uh, a certain <laughs> Mr. Donald Sterling. So uh, let me let me. In fact, let's let's go let's go back and give people a bit of a picture of of the yeah. history of the Clippers. I mean, Sterling. Uh, it happened in 2014. The incident I'm going to mention. Um, Sterling had already long had a reputation as probably the worst owner of a professional franchise in uh, American professional sports before the big four major leagues. Um, but I want to kind of go back and let's let's talk a bit of about the history of the Clippers and yes. how actually questionable ownership is, is not rare and it's not on, unheard, for you, <laughs> unheard for you guys. So obviously you were a franchise, well I say obviously, I had to do my own research, so I guess it's not that obvious. Uh, your franchise was founded in uh, 1970, uh, the Buffalo Braves, that's Buffalo, New York. You were one of three expansion teams alongside the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Portland Trailblazers. I think you'll also notice that those two teams have uh, actually managed to uh, win championships. So um, that's great. Uh, but we'll, we'll keep it moving. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it moving. I just, I just wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to mention it in passing. Um, Championship coming right up. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> the Cavaliers and the, and the Portland Trailblazers. And um, essentially, um, 
you were kind of a franchise that didn't do very well uh, until you signed uh, Bob McAdoo. I don't know, is that, he's an old, old school player. Does that name ring a bell to you at yeah, all? Yeah, so he won one MVP back in, I think, yeah, 1974. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Ooh, hello. Okay, you've been doing your research. Okay. I, know, I, I, res- <laughs> I, res- I respect it, I respect it. Um, yeah, so Bob McAdoo was kind of uh, the first star that played for the Buffalo Braves. Um, the the issue for you guys, I guess, and why you couldn't really push on is uh, you shared the gym that you played with. With and I'm gonna have to read this right off the screen. The Canisius Golden Griffin College Men's Basketball Team. So essentially, that was that was and is still a college based in Buffalo. And essentially, in terms of where you played, they had the lease first, which meant that they basically gave themselves the pick of the best dates for games because. They were kind of worried about you guys becoming the main attraction in Buffalo. So what your owner decided to do was sell all your stars. So McAdoo got traded. He got traded to the Pistons. Uh, he got traded to the Knicks. But then he also played for the Lakers and Pistons. Yeah. And at the Lakers and Pistons, he actually won a couple of titles. <clears throat> so he got traded. Uh, once your owner got rid of all your assets, they were basically released from their lease. And then what he did is, which is quite un- unfounded, he and the owner of the Celtics at the time switched franchises. So he took the um, he took the Boston Celtics, and the Celtics owner Irv Levin took the Buffalo Braves. The reason being, he was from from South California, and yeah. he always always had eyes on moving his franchise there. But obviously, you're talking about the Boston Celtics. And Celtics, even, you can't. Yeah. In the nineteen seventies, franchise was quite yeah, it's quite solid already for their yeah. franchise. So in the nineteen seventies, just... I think they'd won like ten, eleven championships already, and they, yeah, you know, my, my head's a bit but, um rattled well not rattled my head's a bit blurry in terms of that time but yeah they won like five or six probably yes would know exactly how many they yeah. won by that time <laughs> so essentially they switched franchises and so now shady um, business that though it is isn't it <laughs> um, now took the buffalo braves and he moved to san diego they became the san diego clippers um once they were in san diego um again kind of like a middling franchise doing okay they had they had a lot of injuries that was 1978 um, yep. So they basically were there replacing a team that you also know about. So they were replacing the San Diego Rockets, Rockets who moved yeah. to Houston. Houston. And <laughs> now you may know them in the name as the yeah. Houston Rockets. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and then 1981, 11 years after the Braves slash the Clippers were founded, your man, your main man, Donald Sterling, steps in. Um, LA real estate mogul, I think between cool. him and his wife, I, at one point, they owned the most commercial property in LA. Uh, yeah, I mean, no. his, his checkered history in terms of being a landlord who didn't like ethnic minorities being his um, being his tenants as well is well documented. Not to mention things that players have mentioned in terms of like the all white parties he used to have and yeah. he, used to, he used to parade the players around almost like they were animals in a zoo. Mm. So he came in and he essentially saw that his friend Al Davis, who owned the Oakland Raiders, was able to move. Oakland from Oakland all the way to Los Angeles and he was able to do that without the NFL agreeing to do it and he thought you know what I'm gonna have me a bit of that as well I don't want to I don't want to be in San Diego I want to go home (laughs) to LA so I'm gonna move this franchise and he was able to get away with it essentially the NBA tried to have a lawsuit and a 25 million um, dollar fine so what he did was he sued them back and by the end, they both were like, okay, well, we're going to cool it, yeah? So they yeah, okay, cool. Exactly. <laughs> and, that, and that $25 million fine went down to $6 million. So now, cool, we're in LA. I mean, it didn't really help very much because you didn't actually have your first winning season uh, under him until, I think, 92. So you're talking about yeah. a guy who brought the franchise in 81 and you didn't have a winning season until 92. And that was your first winning season in 93. Um, the 90s are, again pretty much been in the Lakers' shadow. Um, yeah. You contemplated at some point moving to Anaheim, which is basically a suburb in southwest um, California. Obviously, I hope you all appreciate the actual read. I had to go and read about the Clippers. Jeez. I had to go and <laughs> read about reading. <laughs> so um, you, you went down to um, Anaheim and you were playing games there. And what actually was happening was that you were much more popular in Anaheim. So in Anaheim, when you played there, I think five to ten times a season, you get about... 16,000 people watching, but then when you play in LA, you'd only get 9,000 people watching because 
obviously the Lakers are the, the main attraction. So he contemplated that's Donald Sterling, contemplated at some point of moving to Anaheim, but I don't think they could quite get the TV deal right. Um, the only other thing I could probably mention from the 90s is that you did um, get the number one pick in 98, and you drafted Michael Oluwakandi, Nigerian, oh, obviously. Nice. You've yeah. done more research. Yeah, <laughs> Michael Oluwakandi. And yeah, that ended up not working very well. He was out of the Clippers after four years, and after eight years, he was out of the league completely. So that's just me kind of giving a background to the Clippers, Donald yeah. Sterling, the kind of ownership you had, and how basically, even up to 2014, you hadn't had any success whatsoever. I think you made in his what? 91, 2001, in his 30-odd years of ownership, I think he made the playoffs like six times. Six, yeah, something like that, six yeah, times. Six, maybe, yeah. Most of that would have been more towards the post-2010. Exactly. So exactly. even that, so it's like, really it was, was like a long period. Exactly, yeah, like... you were stat-stuffing, basically. Um, cool, so to come back to 2014 and, and the incident we're talking about, that was so key to where the Clippers are today, uh, a video recording was uh, played and shared with TMZ, basically, of Donald Sterling speaking to his mistress and explaining that he doesn't like her socialising with black people and furthermore, posting it on public, she posted it on Instagram. Guess who it turned out that the, the person in question was? Oh, our Magic Johnson. <laughs> a certain Magic, Mr. <laughs> Mr. LA, Mr. Mr. LA himself. Mr. LA, Mr. Basketball, Mr. You know, Black League, like anything that's just basketball is Magic, is magic Johnson. It's Magic so, Johnson, like... exactly. So it turned out it was Magic Johnson um, and the backlash was ridiculous. You had people like Jesse Jackson talking about it. You had people like Barack Obama commenting about it. Like, yeah. that incident was surprising, but not surprising. More so, like I said, people already knew he kind of had a long history of racist behaviour and manners. Yeah, he was, he was a big, like, he was such a bigot. Like, I think a lot of people just let a, him slide with a lot of things because he's a big-time mogul, you know, big billionaire, businessman. Like, he's basically one of those people you're going to look at like, oh, well, if I'm going to chat shit, like nothing's going to happen to him. Like, exactly. Yeah. You're untouchable. You, you, you become that rich and you're almost above the law and yeah. above, above the morals that the rest of us have to live by. Um, what I wanted to ask you about this period was, um, there was, like I mentioned, there's a lot of pressure on the players. What do you remember your experience as a Clippers fan at this time in terms of the, the, the Donald Sterling stuff coming out? Do you know what? It was, like, it was really tough because at that point we were into the playoffs series already of that year so um and at that point like the team the team's roster itself is bl predominantly black players so now you're thinking like okay this is definitely gonna affect the players above everything else it's not even um it's the fr it's the whole franchise like Donald Sterling is just him on his own and then you have to think about this there's the team staff there's the coaches and the players are all going to be affected and predominantly a lot of them are black and it's like now this is gonna flip even in terms of not even just to keep it towards the Clippers side this is the whole league it's like the whole league That's, has got black players everybody gave an opinion Charles Barkley yeah. was talking LeBron Kobe Kareem exactly. Abdul-Jabbar from your perspective as a black woman um what did you expect or not expect the, the players to do in that scenario were you expecting them to make a statement did you think it wasn't fair to expect them to make a statement what were your what your were your feelings um I think it wasn't really fair for them to make a statement like I said it like that entire thing incident was just Donald Sterling himself. It wasn't to do with anything to do with the Clippers franchise or, or anything. It wasn't even anything basketball related. It's just the guy just hated black people. Let's just say that. Um, and for the players to kind of then speak out and like, that's kind of, that's, it's really nice to see because as it's not as the incident didn't happen that long ago. And that's now what, six years now, but you're thinking with kind of what's going on now in our day and age, you're thinking, Oh, this stuff was even happening still six years ago. And like people were still speaking out and being more vocal about it. And you know, yeah, I didn't expect the players to kind of do what I thought they should have been doing or like, even just to mention anything, say anything like in terms of even the likes of people like LeBron, like then he wasn't even part of the Clippers franchise. So yeah, for them, for all kind of players to be speaking, I was it was a really great thing. But um, like Remind kind of me, what the, did they, what did they do ahead of game four? They had a yeah, what did, with a so, uh, with the jerseys. Yeah, so they had in their fourth game against 
was Golden State, yeah. Golden State. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, um, the players all wore their jerseys inside out and then I threw them on the court at the end of the game because, yeah, they didn't want to show the Clippers um, kind of badge logo. or anything, logo, yeah. So, because um, obviously at that point, and it was so unfair to see that the Clippers were going through this because it had completely nothing to do with them. They just had a really shitty owner. And I think now that's really... That when you see the difference between him and Bowman, obviously, who we'll get to, um, like, you can really tell the difference of ownership. Like, he completely just did not care about his franchise. It was just something that he had because it was it was marketable at that point, you know. Having, it was cool to own Yeah, it was cool. You're owning a league, yeah. You know, you're owning something in the, one of their four biggest leagues, yeah. It's it's really cool for him. And to be, it wasn't probably even that cool. For him, it was just, like, another thing just to add on to his book of all the things I can get, all the things I can have as a billionaire. So, yeah. Exactly, Please. exactly. It was, it, was, it was an asset. And I, I remember, I was, I remember uh, listening to a 30 for 30 podcast series and they were talking about, obviously, it was based, it was centred around Sterling and what happened. But they went back and they went back in detail and they talked about how at the time in the 80s, obviously the Lakers were the flashy team, Showtime. Yeah hosting parties, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he, he looking over like, I want a bit of that. I want to be popular yeah. like, Do- I want to be popular like Dr. Bus, you know? And it, and it just, and it just reflected like, the, the mistress in question, she is so, not funny, but it's so interesting that the genesis of everything happening was the fact that, uh, that he always had mistresses, but yeah. this mistress was kind of, she'd come to the Clippers or, um, offices, making comments, I'm going to own this team one day, uh, et cetera, et cetera, insulting his wife, who he's been with for like 50 years or so. Like yeah. That. Yeah, insulting his wife. And um, I think because him and her used to argue a lot, this mistress we're talking about, she decided so she could be like to um, him, you always forget things you say going forward. What I'm going to do is record all our conversations. So if I say you said something and you say you didn't, I could just be like, here's the recording. Here's, um, yeah. Exactly. And basically through one of her disputes with his wife, um, the wife decided basically to sue her and try and take back. Remember, I said lawsuits. The Sterlings love a lawsuit. So basically, love a lawsuit. To, <laughs> basically, wanted to take back every gift her husband has given. Basically, the money used is mine and his money. So yeah. I want my stuff back. And that's when the girl decided, like, no, 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 this is not going to happen. I'm going to play this tape. And basically, what that the, the cascading events of that meant back. I think that happened on the 24th. Let me just check my notes. That happened on the 25th of April is when that came out. Yeah. The game was on the 27th. I remember Golden State players saying that they were ready. Andre Godala was like, listen, if they wanted to boycott that game, I was down to boycott that game. Funnily enough, Sterling wanted to come to that game, you know? And Doc Rivers had to basically get on the phone Phone. and be like, you cannot come to this game. Like, what you've put these players through already... Cheeky guy. (laughs) That just shows how warped and how... How, like yeah. you said, as a billionaire, so he doesn't far, even see—he yeah. doesn't even see the things he does, you know, and how it influences everybody else. Um, um, Doc Rivers said he couldn't come. Doc Rivers led the team so well during that period. It was kind of like, guys, we need to whatever we're saying, we need to say it as one voice, or not. You talking to this outlet, yeah. you talking to that outlet. I'll be the voice. What do you guys want me to say out there? And it's basically that we just want to focus on our basketball. You know, this is the playoffs. At that time, they had a good team. It was the first season of Lob City. And obviously, they hadn't had a good a team like this in the Clippers' history. So it's like for him to do this at that time, yeah, it that was time. it was it was crazy. And then essentially, five days later, um, he got a lifetime ban. And I'm gonna uh, from re- the big bad boss, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he got a lifetime ban from Adam Silver, along with a 2.5 million dollar fine. That's basically the highest fine that is allowed. Um, he was barred from attending games or practices involving any NBA team, being present in any office or facility, and from participating in any team business, personnel decisions, or league activity. Uh, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver stated in a press conference regarding the decision that he will try to force Sterling to sell the Clippers, which will require the consent of three quarters of the league's 29 other team owners. Yeah. Um, and I think all 29... 29- Owners said, "Get him out." So they they couldn't unanimous. afford not to. Like the no, league is yeah. what seventy, eighty percent black currently, and talking about all the yeah. legends, the vast majority of them again are are yeah. black men. So for you to be an owner to employ these men and to not stand on, 
their side in terms of something so blatantly racist, there was only one way that could ever go. Um, So that same year, by August 2014, uh, Steve Ballmer, billionaire of Microsoft, uh, bought the Clippers for two billion uh, from Shelley Sterling. So as part of the deal, Shelley received the titles of owner emeritus and Clippers number one fan, as well as 10 tickets in sections 101 or 111 for all Clippers games. Two courtside yeah. tickets for all games in Los Angeles. Six parking spots in Lot C for each game. Twelve VIP passes that include access to the Lexus Club, Arena Club, or Chairman's Lounge, and media room or equivalent uh, for each Staples game. Three championship rings if the Clippers ever win a title, if, and will run a charitable coming, foundation. Coming. <laughs> um, yeah. also, the deal also included a stipulation that Steve Barmer would keep the team in LA. I think the reason LA. that was mentioned is that a few years ago he'd been part of an ownership group who tried to buy a franchise and potentially move them to Seattle. He's from Seattle. Yeah. So um, I think the idea was that you buy this team and you keep this team in LA. And obviously, her being in LA, um, yeah. that is a very sweet deal they got. Considering... Do you know what? I think like a lot of people had a lot to say about um, his wife, Dodo Sterling's wife, having that kind of deal. But aside from that, she, it's like, she was married to an, an up to like he was such a bad man like she had to do all this stuff like we say he had mistresses he was just he was just completely just a shitty husband so like aside from that she had put a lot of money into the franchise um into the clippers so for her to kind of get kind of those perks shall we say is not i think it's it's fair and because it wasn't her it was just her stupid idiot husband at the time so you know it wasn't and he hasn't got anything he got banned. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he got banned. So, he got told to get lost. So, like, although obviously the people will say it's under the Sterling names, under the Sterling franchise itself, like that, she's still sharing that with Donald. But you know, it's it's only fair. Like they had obviously built a franchise. She had put in a lot of money and invested a lot of time into it. Aside from that, she had invested invested more time into the into the Clippers, and she had no idea about sporting leagues, nothing to do with basketball. She was a business mogul herself and she had nothing, like she didn't know anything about sport, but, and obviously she entrusted her husband to kind of take the reins and make sure like this franchise that they're building, the money they're putting in, the investment they're putting into um, a league that they're going to be good. And he did absolutely nothing. So for her to kind of get those perks, I think that was was justifiable to be fair. Agreed, agreed. Um, Cool, so that's uh, the Sterling leaving and Steve Ballmer coming in. Before getting your opinions on Steve Ballmer, I just want to rewind just a little bit. Let's talk Lob City. Yeah. Let's talk Lob City. So tell me about your, your feelings about Lob City. We're talking CP3, Blake, DeAndre Jordan. Andre. What, what was that like watching that when it was happening? Formidable three. Oh, man, that was, that was such a great like era, man. I wish, I kind of wish that we re-sign Chris Paul in the next maybe two years or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't know if, he wants, if he's going to hear this one day. Like, <laughs> like, you know, coming back to the franchise. I don't know. But yeah, no, Lob City, that was, I think that was something that was needed for the franchise, the Clippers. Like, we needed great players. We needed people that were very versatile, very athletic. And I think them three, well, especially Blake and Paul, just kind of, they blended well on the court. Although, like, their reputation outside was not so great. But on the court, they did what they had to do. And, you know, they got us into playoffs a lot of times. So, aside from the injuries that were consistently happening to Blake, it was, which was obviously such a, a downer on our team. I think, yeah, just by having those three, like, the three, even Jordan, um, Jordan like, he, wow, he was a great, great shooter, man. He he should come. He should come back as well. <laughs> yeah, no, obviously, yeah. When you say great shooters, obviously the fact that he's a big man and obviously everything's going in and it's what yeah. he must have been close to sixty percent from the field because all he would do was layups, putbacks, and basically yeah. jumping up for alley hoops. Yeah. Do you remember the one when he killed that guy? Ah, oh, forget his name. Oh man, he's out of the league now. He played for the Phoenix Suns. He was a point guard. I think he moved to the Celtics and he dunked it over him. And the guy, how have I forgotten the guy's name? Oh, my days. Keep. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, as we both kind of try and remember one of DeAndre Jordan's highlight dunks, we'll talk about those playoff woes that you mentioned. 
obviously 2014 playoffs didn't end well. You had a yeah. Golden State team that were on the come up and with everything that was going on. And it could have only really went one way. But let's talk about 2015. So 2015 is the year of the infamous uh, Rocket series. Um, yeah. So that's you guys being 3-1 up. Uh, in game six at home, you were um, up by double digits, like halfway through the fourth. Uh, they sit James Harden and they come back and then they go to game seven and then they beat you. Um, how did that feel? Talk to me. We were close, man. We were so close. And that's, do you know what? That's kind of like the worrying thing that I'm thinking of, like, in the current playoffs now. Like, I hope it's not kind of like deja vu again. Because, do you know what? Nah. Well, I was going to say that we, we just, we need to just, just keep strong. But in terms of kind of looking back, uh, um, the that was a joke. That was a joke. Yeah, we, yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> okay, yeah, we joke. Yeah, <laughs> I never ever want to bad mouth my team. You know, like, I'm not. I'm not like Harold. Harold will bad mouth his formidable Lakers. You know. Yeah, from here to from here to Timbuktu. Uh, listen, know, yeah. That hurt me so much because Chris Paul had a reputation of being like, re- like, oh, he doesn't show up in the playoffs. He's just a regular season player, similar to the reputation that James Harden has now. And it was like, oh my days, they, they, they're going to get, because he never, he hadn't even been to a finals at that point. Yeah. Um, and he, like a conference finals that is. And it was like, oh, okay, they finally done it. They're up. They're going to see this out. They're much better than the Rockets. You guys had Josh Smith, Josh Smith, Mr. Clanger, draining free. I was watching the highlights earlier and you've got, a, there's a sequence where the ball's going off. Um, Jamal Crawford runs to keep it on. Only for it was I don't know if it was Trevor Ariza or somebody else to hit he throws it right to hit him free it was ridiculous and it was like it was 19 points ahead with like a minute left in the third they brought it down to like 10 but then you guys extended it back again to like 12 I, I just don't understand how you contrive to lose that series we'll talk yeah. about other series and those ones make a bit more sense because of injuries but this series man do you know what I think it was about that time there was no clutch players at all. As much as I like, I big up Chris Paul, and everyone obviously does obviously say, yeah, he doesn't really show up for um, for the final games and stuff. Yeah, we don't, we didn't really solidify any clutch players. Nobody really had that pressure on them um, in like those final moments. So I think that's why we we did really end up choking. So, but now, yeah, now it's a whole different situation. I think our game is gonna be yeah, absolutely you keep talking, going. You talk, you keep talking about now, but I'm trying to talk about back then. You get me? The thing about the old days. They the old days. Let's talk about the old days. Cool. So, <laughs> um, in 2016 was the first round loss to the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, you went 2-0 up. They brought it back to 2-2. Uh, you ended up losing uh, 4-2. Um, this one, I am less, uh, much. I can't even say less. This one, I can't blame you guys at all. Both uh, CP3 and Blake went down for those last two games. Um, yeah. How did that series feel? Obviously, you had a painful exit the year before. Were you feeling more? Were you feeling bullish um, this postseason? Because I think you were third seeds both both years actually. So another year of being a third seed, going yeah. into that first round series against the Trailblazers. How were you feeling? No, I think at that point from the previous um, season, they were they were rebuilding. So obviously, like the main focus was having that a thing like two game player series between um, Blake and Chris Paul, and it was just a, such a shame because it wasn't. I think even the coaches, but obviously the fans as well, knew that um, at that time they never really kind of took load managing that seriously, especially when you are very like top players. And the fact is, their two their their bench was literally a two man team, let's say, and like it wasn't. Yeah, they didn't load manage their players that well. And for them to play the regular seasons literally every day, you we knew. I think people knew kind of like either minor injuries are going to come or there's going to be severe injuries. That like, you're not resting these players. You're just trying to, you're working them every single game. And I think at that point in that that season that we can't yeah we just knew that you know at least if we're gonna kind of go out we're going against a very very strong team so even the trailblazers yeah they've obviously won their chips as well so it wasn't so much of a disappointment obviously we do want to win championships but at that point i think it wasn't so disheartening as the previous year where we were so close um yeah fair enough and then 2017 um again 
uh, a first round loss to the Utah Jazz. Uh, this one was a bit more painful, seven games. You actually both kept going to each other's homes and taking games away from each other. Each other um, yeah. And that final game this year, uh, this particular year, Blake got injured. Um, yeah. Yeah. How did, how did you feel? Obviously, that was Chris Paul's last playoff series with you guys. Um, yeah. How yeah, did you feel? I, I think, like I said before, I think with the whole Blake um, kind of thing, it's. At that point, we had over, overworked a player for many years. At that point, it was time for him to have a new beginning. Not saying that, obviously, he flopped on purpose or something, but it was more or less that, yeah, it was going to happen. And if an injury was going to come, then it probably, let's just say, maybe it came at the right time for him. Maybe that was his kind of exit, his God's way of turning him, that's his exit from the Clippers, from the, that franchise. Um, yeah, not disheartening as well, but more so, obviously, Chris Paul. Yeah, I, I didn't really want to see him go, to be fair. I want him back. I want him back. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I want him back. <laughs> uh, the final two things I want to ask you about are, are more current, so we can get back off the old days and we can come back to the, to the present day. Uh, um, talk to me about Steve Balmer's stewardship of, of the Clippers franchise, so what, what he's brought in. And aside from just necessarily having a great roster now, as you know, players get old, you have to re you have to rebuild yeah. through the draft, et cetera, et cetera. Tell me what it is about Steve Barmer's stewardship of the Clippers that makes you feel so positive about your future. I think, you know, comparing him to Donald Sterling, you see an owner that's completely invested in him like in his franchise, in something that he owns. You know, he turns up to most of their home games and he's cheering in the crowds. He's, all, he's, like a, he's such a big kid. Like he, he really, really, really just cherishes what he's kind of invested his money into. And in terms of kind of the players, you can see how well he gets along with the players. His roster is pretty much a black team. I think there's only about, I think there's only about four players now that are white on, on the bench. I think it might be even less now. Um, so for him, that he completely understands. And we don't even have to talk about anything kind of in terms of racism for him. So like he's just, I think he's such a great owner. He's building a very good franchise. Really kind of building from that moment in 2014 from what happened to Donald Sterling. I think he's just kind of re, um, he's kind of pushing the Clippers in a whole different direction. You know, we're not so much seen as like people that, this this team just chokes in the playoffs. You know what? They're just owned by a rubbish owner. He doesn't really care about their team. But yeah, Bomer Bomer's coming in and he's doing great things. I think he's going to take the franchise into our hope being a very very big big franchise. Obviously, you have to compete with the likes of the Lakers, who are your rival team in LA. Then you've got bigger clubs like the Knicks, Celtics. You know, even Cavs. Um, Chicago Bulls, you know, you wanna. He's he's trying to solidify kind of their place in the league. That they're not a rubbish team. They're not someone that you have to just be overlooking because they're not. They haven't won any championships, you know. So yeah, I think yeah, he's doing a great job. I think he's got he's he's in the he's in the right frame of you know carrying this team into a, a kind of a good position. Yeah, I mean, we know that once you're established as a a good franchise, that these are the players that players will, these are the franchises players will flock to as free agents. Obviously, yeah. you have the advantage of being a major uh, market, but historically, the way players have looked at the Clippers, that's kind of meant that they wouldn't go there. They'd probably rather go to a team in a smaller, smaller market, but a better managed. And now it seems like you've got Doc Rivers at the helm, one of the best and most respected coaches in the league. Yeah. You've got one of the richest owners who's already showed he's not scared to dip his hand in his pockets. I hear rumours about you guys building your own um, arena. Uh, our own arena, yeah. So there was a bit of a, a complication because he, obviously with the rival with the Lakers, Lakers do actually take Preston over the Staples Centre, um, having them been there first. So obviously they're trying to, like I said, with him trying to push the franchise into you know a new direction, we want to come away from this rivalry with the Lakers and you know you can have two great teams in the same area so yeah he he I think he, they have gone through with it now so the the arena will be actually built 
2024, I think from my research, um, they'll be playing, they, they will be playing near their practice facility in Inglewood. Um, so it'll be quite um, close. I think there was a big kind of um, situation with the previous owners of the forum is MSG's Madison Square Garden. They didn't want to kind of um, let them kind of take away that um, event space because um, Madison Square Garden is seen as like kind of the biggest event arena in America that and mm, I want, as well as this yeah so you know they didn't want there to be like oh now there's another competing on the west side you know because um, there's already staples there so but I think they reached a conclusion and then yeah we're gonna completely have our own separate entity away from the Lakers away from staples which will be I think that would be great in pushing the franchise into a new direction yeah, I think um, during the Lob City days, if my memory serves me right, um, obviously when you, you come into the facility, all you're seeing is Lakers banners, Lakers banners, Lakers yeah. banners. And, and I think Doc Rivers got them to cover the banners up. Obviously, he was coming from the Celtics already, so that's a big rivalry. Played the Lakers in three finals, but then he's come to the Clippers, so he's doubled down, doubled down yeah. as a rival as the Lakers. That, <laughs> see that stuff up there? That, yeah, I ain't trying to see that. Me and my guys ain't, try, yeah. I ain't trying to see that. Yeah. You know, yeah, and it's 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 big work. Like, you must think, like, in regular season time, Lakers will have a game today, Clippers will have a game tomorrow. Like, that is a big... Like, and when you watch the games, you you will see the Lakers and all their sponsorships and all their banners and stuff like that. When you see the Clippers, you're also going to see the exact same. So it's it's just, like, big work. Whoa, 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 whoa. not so many banners. Just less... Not so many, not so many. <laughs> Obviously, if anyone's ever... If anyone has actually ever been... I've been outside Staples, so I've mm. seen, like, it is Lakers-focused. Like, even mm. outside, they've got statues of the greats. Um, Shaq is out there. Magic Johnson is out there. I think they're putting one for Kobe as well, so so yeah it is completely Lakers focused and even like when you discuss with certain people who are kind of trying to get their head around basketball now when they start reading up on things especially in the space of LA they're gonna just come across straight away it's the Lakers and then you're you're gonna be thinking oh wait there's another team as well that play at the same same venue like who are these Clippers you know what we're trying to build we're not even building at at this point where we are in 2020, the league is very, very good. Like, the franchise is good. So we need our own separate kind of entity. Fully you know, establishing, you, establishing yeah. yourselves away from the, um, from the Lakers. And I guess the final thing I want to ask you about is, is, is this current Clippers. And obviously, uh, we're recording this on Monday. Playoffs are about to start. Are you guys playing today? We're playing today against the... Mavericks. Mavericks, sorry. I've lost my head. I was thinking... That's fine. Uh, Utah Jazz are on the TV right now. I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> lost my head. Yeah. Um, so um, we're looking good. We're looking really good. Um, our bench is very, very tight. Um, we're bringing him back. I don't think Montrez Harrell will be playing in today's game. Um, actually, I, I have heard as of today that he might have starting minutes, but he's not going to be one of the starting five so we will see how that goes but in terms of obviously our roster Kawhi and Paul George um excellent players I think there yesterday we were discussing um about the chemistry that they didn't have say in the regular season and I think that's something they've been really building on and I think now that we've kind of watched them seeding games in the bubble I think I think that kind of space they needed for them to work um, kind of together you know they need you need that first man and second man and then I think with the rest of the bench that we have we do, we do have third man players as well we've got Lou Williams Pat Beverly um, I know people are going to start chatting shit but yeah <laughs> you've got Marcus Morris who hasn't had yeah. such the best um, introduction to, to, to the life in LA but he is yeah, he ha- a, a capable yeah. player you've got Landry Shamit on there as well Zubak yeah. who you took from the Lakers I can't, that's one of Magic's worst moves as a GM, man. <laughs> like you, you, yeah, ridiculous. I yeah, Zubak, formidable. Absolutely great. Such a good centre, you know, pushes quite well in, in starting minutes. Uh, very forceful within the paint. So, yeah, great, great signing for him. Um, you are the deepest, I'd say you're the deepest club in the playoffs. Uh, my favourites, just because I think you have too, I think you have too much talent and I think you have a coach who... Yes, you guys have struggled to come together. That's been due to Paul George's injuries. But as you guys are, obviously everyone's in the bubble. And I, I, and I yeah. really hope they do a documentary on the bubble and they're all recording everything because these 
moments they're living now, we'll never see anything like it. Where yeah, I doubt it. Talking about 100, 200 of the best basketball players on the planet are all in the same place, interacting all with each hungry, other. All hungry, yeah, know? just to pay, you know? yeah. So uh, that would be definitely fantastic for team chemistry. So um, I think that will build and develop as you get through the playoff series. I think you have uh, too much for the Lakers, and I don't really see anybody in the in the East necessarily giving you a hard game. Maybe Raptors if they can. If they can yeah, get I said um, I said this. Raptors are very very strong contenders. They are quite scary as well. Their bench almost kind of mirrors our bench as well in terms of they've got quite a good roster. I mean they don't have one two players. They've got about four five. So yeah, they they will probably be ones to watch as well in the yeah. East. Um, I think um, where you kind of go over them is that at the top end they don't have a Kawhi, and I think they don't. Yeah, Kawhi and Paul George are both better than Pascal Siakam. Yes. So, 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 so you know, you have the best, the better, the best players in the series, the best two players in the series, and as you know, basketball is a strong link sport. You're as good as your best player. So, um, for you guys to not make the finals and to not win it, as much as everything's gone on this season. This, I'd be, this I'd one, be surprised. Yeah. This one will be disheartening. I, I'm really, yeah, I really don't want them to kind of, even if we, you know, we don't get a championship, I think we need to kind of tie off the, the series games in quite good standing. But obviously, I want to say we're going to win. So um, it's just, yeah, having that, that bench with good chemistry on the court is exactly what we need. I don't think, I think I was saying yesterday that in our scrimmage games at the beginning of the bubble, we looked at kind of a little bit lazy. Um, and you know what? I think the problem with that is like you kind of start seeing how other teams are, are playing as well. Even the Lakers themselves will look at, actually, they still are looking very lazy. So I don't know for them, <laughs> particularly myself. You know, I don't even know for LeBron these days, but you know, he just wants to drink wine and sip, you know, eat cheese. I think that's not what he does. But um, um, this would not be a Clippers pod without you trying to <laughs> dig out um, the Lakers. I will be playing this snippet to Harold. And whatever he decides to do as a result of that, do not come crying to me. Um, Janine, I want to thank you for your time. Um, yeah, these playoffs are going to be amazing. I, I can't wait. I'm going to be there watching as much as I possibly can. Um, your Clippers especially. Um, obviously, for those of you who don't know, Janine is part of the touch Touchline. Touchline Media Group, Courtside Fracker team. Um, I'm yes. going to be on the Discord watching the... Um, Raptors and Brooklyn Nets game tonight with Cy. Uh, if you're yeah. about, feel free to come through, Janine. But even if you're not about tonight, I'm sure we'll see you on the Discord uh, throughout the playoffs. Yeah, of course, of course. I'll Thank you here. very much for your time. No problem. Thank you. Peace. No worries. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.